This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. May 12, 2020. Uh, three main economic releases came out today. The first one was for Redbook Same Store Sales, for retail sales. The prior week was down 9.3%, and the most recent week was down 7.5%, so a little bit of improvement there, but still down quite a bit. Next up is the uh, Small Business Optimism Index, which was at 96.4 in March. The forecast was for 84.8 in April. The actual was 90.9 in April. So uh, less than March, but better than expected. I'm going to read the commentary. It's, it's fairly brief from the report says, a record unemployment rate of 14.7% was accompanied by a stock market gain of about 1.5%, indicating that investors are optimistic about the future of our economy. About 80%, or 16 million people, of the unemployed shared that optimism, expecting to be rehired as the economy opens back up, being on temporary layoff. The picture is further confused by unemployment benefits that for many exceed previous pay. Small business owners are starting to rehire laid-off employees as states lift business restrictions and small business loans are hitting are hitting bank accounts. The recession that we are expect uh, the, the recession that we are experiencing was created by government policy implemented to combat the COVID-19 virus spreading, not by the private sector gone astray as it was in 2008. Although details vary by state, consumers were told to shelter in place and not go out unless necessary. Many firms were required to close, ensuring social distancing to contain the virus outbreak from spreading further into society. For Main Street, the regulations eliminated customers and revenue, forcing massive layoffs and increasing business failures. For many workers, income vanished and there was little reserve to pay bills. Others are receiving pay under various programs, including federal stimulus checks to millions of people. The reopening required to revitalize the economy will likely be slow and uneven with continued efforts to contain the virus, protect employees, and build back consumer confidence. Owners are starting to benefit from the two targeted small business loan programs, the PPP and the the EIDL. Loans are being deposited into small business bank accounts, providing desperately needed financial relief for many. These loans will help in their effort to reopen and keep employees on staff. Additional help, though, is required. Small business owners need more flexibility in using the PPP loan to support business operations and liability protection so that all these efforts to support small businesses are not ultimately lost in costly litigation. Fighting the spread of COVID-19 with isolation policies is exceptionally costly economically, as the data show. Consumers must feel safe before they come back out with their wallets. The sooner that happens, the faster the economy will recover. Now, a breakdown of the Small Business Optimism Survey. I'll just go through the components real quick. Plans to increase employment. Uh, net percent. This is a net percent of small businesses that are saying yes versus no. Plans to increase employment. Net percent was one, down eight percent from March. Plans to make capital outlays, net 18%, down 3%. Plans to increase inventories, net minus 4%, down 1%. Plan, or expect the share that expect the economy to improve, 29%, up 24% from March. So I think uh, as some of these uh, stimulus bills came out, is probably what caused that to improve and quite dramatically. Uh, 
the share that expects real sales to be higher, minus 42%, down 30% from March. Um, current inventory, down 7%, or, or minus 7%, down minus 5%, minus 7%, down 5% from March. I think that's those who are planning to increase inventory is what that means. Uh, current job openings, 24% say they're higher. That's down 11% from March. Uh, expected credit conditions to improve, minus 6%, down 2% from March. Um, those who are saying now is a good time to expand, only a net 3%, down 10% from March. And earnings trends minus, are, are better versus worse, minus 20%, down 14% from March. Now, as for the index itself, again, 90.9, uh, down from 96.4 in March and down from 103.5 in April of last year. I'm just going to go through some of these uh, numbers here. Uh, the most important reasons for expansion outlook, reason percent by expansion outlook in April. Uh, in other words, those who say it's a good time to expand are saying their major reason is because of economic conditions, which, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, those who are saying it's not a good time to expand is their major reason is economic conditions. So, you know, so basically it's saying uh, vast majority of businesses are saying it's not a good time, but those who do say it's a good time are saying it's because of economic conditions. Uh, let's see here. The most important reason for lower earnings. Uh, this month, the most important reason for lower earnings was was lower sales volume. And the least important reason was uh, a decline in selling prices. Just going through some of these here. I find the qualitative... Uh, Indicators interesting. In other words, what are the reasons that they're saying what they're saying versus just the numbers? Because all the numbers are bad. Uh, let's see if there's any more qualitative ones here. Okay, uh, type of capital expenditures made, percent purchasing or leasing during the last six months. Current month, the most was equipment and the least was additional buildings or land I'm not going to go through that the single most important problem April of 2020 19% say poor sales the least important problem is inflation obviously uh, let's see um, and let me just compare that the survey high for poor sales was 34. Doesn't really say what date though. And the survey high for inflation was 41. Doesn't say what date. So just kind of comparing uh, those two indicators. What else do we have here? Okay. Small. Well, this is interesting. Here's the, no, here, here's the, the kinds of businesses that are in this survey. 
agriculture, construction, finance, manufacturing, professional, retail, services, transportation, and wholesale. The most responses came from retail, and the fewest came from professional and transportation. Uh, the most responses came from businesses that had three to five employees. The least came from 15 to 19 employees and, f yeah, 15 to 19 employees. Okay, that's about it for that survey. So some interesting insights there. Next up is inflation. Uh, we had CPI inflation for today, or for, for April. Uh, the prior reading for March was down 0.4% month over month. The forecast was 0.8% decline, and the actual decline was 0.8%, so right on target. Year-over-year -year change was 1.5% in March. The forecast was 0.5% in April. Actual was 0.3%, so a little bit less than expected. That's year-over-year -year change. That's a very small change year-over-year. Less food and energy, which is called a core index, month over month uh, in March was down 0.1%. Forecast for April was 0.2% uh, decline, and the actual was a 0.4% decline. And I read that that is the biggest decline in the core food, the core inflation rate, which excludes food and energy. That's the biggest decline in that measure month over month since 1957. And the core change year-over-year year in March was 2.1%. Forecast was 1.8%. Actual for April was 1.4%. Now, looking at some of the details, which I promised to do yesterday, we have the biggest increase month-over-month month was for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs at 4.3%. The biggest contributor was eggs at 16.1%. So 16, eggs were 16.1% higher in price in April than March. That is a massive increase. Biggest decrease month over month was gasoline at minus 20.6%, led by a 21.2% decline in unleaded gas. Biggest increase year over year was meats, poultry, eggs, and fish at 6.8%. Again, eggs was 17.3% higher. Biggest decrease year-over-year year was fuel oil at minus 33.2%, uh, with propane down minus 6.7%. The smallest decrease month-over-month, month, since there were no increases month-over-month month, uh, by, by region, uh, was the northeast and the west, both down 0.4%. The biggest decrease month-over-month month by region was the midwest, minus 1.1%. The biggest increase year-over-year year by region, the west, up 1.3%. The biggest decrease year-over-year year by region, the Midwest, uh, down 0.4, or what do I mean, down 0.4%, I believe, just let me check that here. The Midwest, uh, yes, down 0.4% was the biggest decrease year-over-year year by region. And just one quick note, oil is uh, at the highest level right now in a month. So expect to see some, if that, if that holds, expect to see an increase in uh, oil and possibly gas prices in the May report and possibly at the pump, depending on how long of a leg we have between the increase in oil prices and the increase in gas prices. Now on to a few notes from the Financial Times. Uh, let's see here. First of all, 
Uh, Disney Shanghai, which became the first Disney theme park to reopen yesterday after coronavirus forced its closure three and a half months ago. The park has limited visitors to below a third of its capacity while face masks, temperature checks, and valid digital health codes are mandatory for entry. Another interesting note, tequila exports are high as Americans under lockdown crave the Mexican spirit. The hipster spirit, which can be made only in Mexico from a single variety of the native agave plant, has become a top U.S. lockdown tipple. U.S. sales leapt 60% in four weeks to April 25 versus the same period last year. Mexico shut down all non-essential industries in March, but the, te- but the tequila industry successfully lobbied for an exception, arguing that agave's lost harvest would have had a severe economic consequence for the country. Interesting. More than 80% of, te- te- more than 80% of Mexico's tequila is exported. Life returns to European city centers. After two months of confinement and more than 26,000 COVID-19 deaths, the French were allowed to leave their homes yesterday without carrying a declaration giving their reasons. Wow, glad we never had to do that here. Lockdowns were also eased yesterday in much of Spain and Ukraine, as well as in Belgium, Switzerland, and Greece. Spain relaxed restrictions for half its population, though not for residents of Madrid and Barcelona, allowing gatherings of up to 10 people and permitting bars and restaurants to serve customers outdoors. Boy, I can't wait till we can do do that again here. Uh, The White House has urged to cover health care costs of laid-off workers. Millions of Americans risk losing health care insurance as the jobless rate rises to a post-war high, adding pressure on the White House to cover the health care of laid-off workers. About half of all Americans get their insurance via jobs, and the average family pays more than 20000 a year. The poorest will be able to, re- to turn to Medicaid, the public insurance for those on low incomes, but that risks stretching the states that pay for it, just as they are losing tax revenues. When Americans lose their jobs, they are allowed to keep their cover through COBRA, a law passed in the 1980s, if they pay both their premiums and those the employer was paying. Yet many cannot afford to do this. Finally, Moody's warns of sharp jump in emerging market debt defaults. Companies across emerging markets could default on their debt at a greater rate than during the global financial crisis in the next 12 months. The credit rating agency figures that up to 13.7% of all speculative-grade corporate bonds in emerging markets will sour in the year to March 2021. All right. Just a couple of notes here on a couple of items. I find it very found it uh, very very disturbing that the Pennsylvania governor threatened to withhold COVID nineteen aid to people who are defying the lockdown orders. Uh, people people they need to make a living, you know they need to make a living, and there has to be some way to let these people get back to work and save their businesses and still keep people healthy. Uh, they're trying to do that, but apparently it's not enough. On the other hand, the healthcare people are saying it's not enough. So, very, very contentious loggerheads that we're seeing here right now between those who want to open back up to save their businesses and their and their incomes and their employees and their livelihoods versus those who on the other side say we need to keep locked down to save lives. Uh, but when you're threatening other people, when you're threatening your the people in your state residents. To say, okay, if you open up, I'm I'm not going to let you to have aid for for your health problems. That's 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 horrific. Can't be doing that. Need to find a better solution. 
A Colorado restaurant. Okay, before I talk about this story, yesterday I saw a video. You can look up, look it up online. It's called Out of Touch. It's a very short film by Kevin James. And basically it spoofs this whole idea of people spying on everybody and kind of snitching on people who are not social distancing. It was pretty funny. Uh, and then I read this article that said a Colorado restaurant on Mother's Day reopened defying the lockdown orders. And it was packed. And so this guy went in and he took a video and he walked around and he took a video of all these people. Hardly anybody was wearing masks. They're all having a good time. They're all not social distancing. And then he walks out of the restaurant and you can tell by the muffling of his voice that he was wearing a mask. And he's just saying, oh, you know, it's just like it was a month ago. In other words, you know, they're not following orders and whatever. This guy is not a government official. This guy is just a normal person. And here he is, you know, taking videos of people, posting the video online, and then the governor comes along and and, uh, and admonishes the restaurant for doing that. So what I'm saying is that spoof of people snitching on people is actually really happening. It's not a spoof anymore. This is really happening. And it's, and I got to tell you, unless we open up soon, it's only going to get worse. And let me just tell you this. I watched a video where this guy was talking about hospitals and contact tracing, and he basically said contact tracing will be a public health requirement. I was talking about this yesterday. And like I said, I don't know how, you know, what's going to happen if, if somebody knocks on your door and they say, we need to test you, and you say no. What are they going to do? Are they going to are they going to hold you down and and take make you take the test at, against your will? Are they going to haul you off to jail? Are they going to fine you? What are they going to do? How is this all going to work out? And it it totally makes me think of the whole you know Paul review Paul Revere the British are coming the British are coming, and I'm thinking the contact tracers are coming the contact tracers are coming, you know. I mean, they're coming. And how is this all going to work out? I mean, this is, you know, on the one hand, you could say it's needed. On the other hand, it's kind of creepy. Um, so, yeah, that's all I really want to say about that. And he also said hospital revenues are way down and expenses are up due to all the things that they need to do for COVID-19. And he says hospitals still need more federal financial help. So we might be seeing that in the next next bill. We'll see. Now I just wanted to mention today that the, that the stock market was down over 400 points. And there are several reasons. One, there are new virus breakouts in countries with eased, that have just recently eased restrictions. And that's kind of giving pause to to some people in the United States to say, okay, well, look what's happening in some of these other countries. Is this going to happen here? And uh, there was a story about how Wuhan, a city of 11 million people, is starting to find starting to see some more cases again, and they are now talking about putting together a plan that is going to test every single person in Wuhan, 11 million people. That is a unbelievable undertaking if they're going to be able to do that the only question is how long is it going to take um and in the meantime there's probably going to be more more cases coming out so or i should say more people getting infected uh, 
or more 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 cases just due to tests, like I said yesterday. Just because cases rise doesn't mean more people are getting infected. It only means more people are getting detected because more tests are being done. So again, we'll have to see what countries and what states are able to break out the difference between the cases that are rising because of more tests versus the cases that are rising because of more infections. Again, like I said yesterday, it's very important that we know the distinction. Another reason the market fell was because Dr. Fauci says that the U.S. needs to move with caution in his Senate hearing today, and that's kind of what, uh, you know, based on uh, some of these countries, what they're experiencing with their reopenings. Sanctions against China for treatment of uh, Uyghur minorities is on the table. Um, I think Republicans are putting that out. And uh, also uh, a suggestion that the Federal Retirement Thrift Board uh, may halt investments in Chinese stocks as a kind of retaliatory measure. Boeing said that a major airline is likely to go bankrupt probably quite soon. Didn't say which airline, but uh, that certainly didn't help the market. The Federal Reserve began buying corporate bond ETFs, or exchange-traded funds, which will help the companies and will help the economy, but at the same time, it just puts the Fed more, puts more and more risk on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. And so any losses, any, any profits that the, since the Federal Reserve is kind of a part of the U.S. government, but not really, it's an independent it's an independent organization. It's kind of complicated, but the way it works is any profits that the Federal Reserve makes at the end of the year gets turned over to the Treasury. Well, by extension, then that means any losses it takes has to be covered by the Treasury as well. So, the more risk that the that the Treasury or that the Federal Reserve has on its balance sheet, the more risk that is ultimately passed on to the Treasury, which means that's ultimately passed on to taxpayers. So because the Federal Reserve is now buying corporate exchange-traded funds rather than the private market, that's just putting more risk onto taxpayers, essentially. So while it might help corporations, it's not good for taxpayers or for uh, the outlook for the federal debt. And finally, House Democrats are proposing a $3 trillion relief bill. Again, good for the economy, but what is it going to do for the debt? You know, I mean, it's going to it's going to add three trillion dollars to the debt, and we're already at twenty five trillion. So adding three trillion, wow! This, like I said a couple episodes ago, we could easily be looking at ten trillion dollars to to pay for this whole entire pandemic. And when you're talking about a simple one point one one point two trillion dollars that we owe China, nixing that debt is a very small drop in the bucket compared to what we're going to be paying for this whole thing. So. I'm going to keep pushing for this and keep pushing for this and keep pushing for this. Cancel all China debt. Teach them a lesson. Get them to improve their country and get their act in order. This time, their their uh, uh, bad actions and malfeasance and and lack of discipline with their testing lab or whatever happened there has cost almost 300,000 lives around the world and countless trillions of dollars of uh, economic damage and job losses and business losses all over the world. They need to learn their lesson. They need to be, uh, they need to shape up and they need to be held accountable. Cancel the debt. Okay, that's my 
little diatribe for today. And now let's move on to an update on the coronavirus. The world at uh, currently, this is as of May 11, uh, the death rate was 6.75%, down from 6.79% or the prior day. The growth rate in fatalities at 1.2%, down from 1.3%, which is good news. And for the United States, the death rate yesterday was 5.9%, down slightly from 5.91%. The growth rate in fatalities was 1.2%, up from 0.9%. Uh, the prior day and that is really I think all I have for the update on the coronavirus so again um, it looks to be like we're at a pretty close to the crest of this of this uh, this pandemic at least I certainly hope so let's see one other thing oh okay so uh, the 750 deaths on on uh, Sunday was the best we've seen in a month, and the 1,000 for a Sunday, and the 1,000 deaths we saw on uh, May 11th was the best we've seen in a month for a Monday. So two days in a row now that we're tracking the lowest we've seen in a month. So that's good news too, and it's. Uh, it's noticeable how far down it was just from the prior week. So, uh, good news there. All right, on to my uh, tip for how to stay sane during unemployment. Under the third commandment of try new things, tip number 22 is read some new books. I am an avid book reader. I love to read books, although I'm quite busy these days, so I really don't read much anymore. But uh, um, I love to read new books and a book will, I, I read nonfiction books that help me learn. And that's fine if you want to read fiction books too to entertain yourself, but I prefer to read books that help me learn about the world around me. I, I have many, many different interests and it, it keeps me busy whenever I, I have time. But you can certainly learn a lot about the world around you, different uh, time periods, different cultures, different uh, countries, different uh, subjects, anything. And if I could recommend one book that I think everyone should read, it's called Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. It's uh, his theory on how certain countries came to be today, as opposed, you know, starting back from way, way back in ancient times. In other words, why are some countries poor and some countries are rich? What were some of the factors that led up to where we are today? Just an absolutely fascinating, fascinating book. So that's my recommendation for today. Again, if you uh, like what you hear, please subscribe or follow. Please spread the word to your family, friends, neighbors, and relatives. If I do have new followers, I will mention them on my podcast. And please go back and uh, if you would like to listen to previous episodes, to especially if you want to hear my previous tips on how to stay sane during unemployment. Uh, let's see, what do we have coming up for tomorrow? Let's just take a quick look here for economic releases. Tomorrow we have mortgage uh, mortgage applications, uh, producer prices, so basically inflation at the producer level. And that's really it. So kind of a light day tomorrow. 
So, but I'll certainly have some other things to share from around the economy and around the world. That's it for today. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Please stay safe and stay sane. Thanks for listening and have a good rest of your day.